pumped that you are here today because I wanted to actually have you on last season, but I couldn't get my life together enough. And as we just talked about off the recording, uh, being an administrator of a, at a school or in a company, it gets wild and you deal with too much paperwork. And that's what I was doing instead of getting you on the podcast. So I'm so excited that you uh, are finally here and we get to chat about recruitment. So thanks for your time. No problem. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. I'm excited to learn from you. Um, can you tell the people who you are? I'm super fascinated with your story because as a young person in this industry, I love to see young people making waves and making a difference. So tell us a little bit about you and how you got where you are. Um, my name is Colton Bryant. I'm tw only 25 years old, but um, I I'm one that I just happened to stumble upon a lot of things that happened uh little by little. So I started, I wanted to go to the University of Kentucky, tore my ACL and ended up at a school called Martin Methodist. Um, and I was playing semi-pro before I went to Martin Methodist. And the summer before I tore my ACL again and then tore it again during therapy. So I ended up not getting to play at the collegiate level like I wanted, but um, I ended up as a student coach. So that's what really started the the journey and it, it was really shocking because I, I hated kids at the time to be honest with you I, I couldn't stand little ones they they just don't listen blah 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 but my head coach really pushed me into these little day clinics and stuff and um, that's what really started me off and then in a year um, my second year we actually won the national championship which was obviously fun but um, that led to our head coach leaving and going to a really big job in California and and basically what he did was he gave me all of the day camp contacts um, to try and keep the little day camps going. And instead of giving them to the other head coach that came in uh, for our program, I actually started an academy off of it. Um, and that's how I started Premier Football Tech, which was my uh, it's my individual based training academy. And um, I only started with you know, little day camps and then I decided that I wanted to do this on a weekly basis. So I, I was trying to see, you know, what would be realistic in the city surrounding us. And I ended up in a city about an hour away from where our college was. And mm -hmm. I had three kids that I was training for 50 bucks a month. And that was it. Wow. And, and then by the end of, I think it was like, I started that would have been in, in an August. And by Christmas break, I think the futsal season, we had up to around 70 something kids. Jeez. Um, and so that was a fun, fun growth because it was a small, it was a small city I was working in and I, I really didn't expect it to really take off. And then what happened was, so I had that academy going on the side and I've never been one for soccer politics. So I never really got into the club scene until the, one of the clubs came to me and said, Hey, will you be willing to connect your academy with us? So you can not only have your training stuff on the side still, but be one of our club coaches. And whenever you're at tournaments, obviously our team will wear um, their the, the club kit, but you on the sideline will wear yours. And then whenever we're all at training or whatever out in the community, they can wear your stuff. So I had provided the training gear and then they had uniforms that they wore separate. So every time we went somewhere, it was, um, PFBA at which was PFBA's premier football tech development academy at uh, Lincoln soccer club or Lincoln football club whichever one I was with at the time 
uh, because the, the, the city was split between there was a men's club and a women's club. And I, I don't know why. It didn't make sense to me. Um, but the women's club was a lot better. And so what I, I ended up doing was it was a small city. And I didn't, I didn't really like the idea of two clubs in a small city. So I tried to use my academy to bridge them. And that's exactly what we did. Um, so we put the two together. And then um, it was quite cool because that, that group of girls that we had ended up going, um, they won B2 state championships twice. Um, and the local high school was in the uh, final four of the state championship for like the next three years, which was really cool to see wow. um, because it was, it was a city from literally like they, they'd never been to a state tournament before. And those girls happened to have been together since they were eight. And we went ahead and I, I think I got them when they were like 13. So mm-hmm. they had already been together a bit, but then we went ahead and just built that out of there. And out of that, just out of that class alone, um, we had a, a graduating class that had four kids go D1. Wow. Um, from a city where they never had that before. Yes. Yeah, so that was, that was really cool. And I, I don't, I don't want to say that that was just the Academy. I just think it was an overall culture we were able to create within the soccer community of a small city. Um, the mm-hmm. Academy was a piece of development, but I think the overall was, um, was how we were all perceiving the sport itself because I live in the, uh, well, I was in Tennessee, so it's in the South, um, which is football country. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that getting getting the sport growing in this area was what really kicked that off. And um, so when I say things, one thing leads to another. The craziest thing is, um, you're a student in college, and you're you know you're doing this training stuff on the side. It's quite nice, and then your your team gets opportunities to, for example, a, a tournament company came to us and said, hey we want you guys to be field marshals. So our, our team went and did it. And so I actually, my freshman year, I was a field marshal for like three tournaments um, a year, which got us like 300 bucks on the weekend. But by my senior year and I graduated, I was the senior director of that tournament company. Um, I ended up running the biggest youth international tournament in the country out of Copa Rayado, um, which is, which was, um, that was in Houston at first, no, San Antonio at first. And then we had a few weather issues, which caused um, scary moments of people being really upset. And we had to like lock ourselves in hotels because we thought they were going to attack us. Um, yeah, it was crazy. So we moved it to Houston so that we could utilize Houston Rush's um, turf fields. So we were one of the only, only tournaments in the country, us and I think uh, Dallas Cup that you could have the DAs there and teams from other federations. So what we made, basically made it was we had like FC Dallas, Sporting KC. Um, you, know, you get all these big MLS club uh, DAs, and then we brought in all the Mexican DAs. So we had Santos Laguna, Monterey Reados, which that's why it's Copa Reados. We were really working with Monterey. Um, but we had, who else? Veracruz. Uh, it was like, it was like, five or six Mexican teams and five or six MLS DAs. And then at the end, basically because of the DAs have all these different um, rules, recoveries, games, then all that stuff. We had to break up the tournament into a week long tournament, but the DA started early and they did like 30 minute mini games. 
Mm-hmm. And then they had a Wednesday break, a Thursday break. And then we did Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where the pool play games where however they did in their mini games, placed them into a gold, silver, or bronze category. And then their pool play games would try and win their brackets. So I think the biggest one and what really opened my eyes um, was the Mexican DAs outplayed the, uh, the American DAs big time. Like wow. the final was yeah. – Monterey Rayados for Santos Laguna. And it was, um, it was, it was eye-opening. Um, you could see the American DAs were bigger. We had bigger people. But um, the movement, the off-the-ball stuff was insane for the Mexican teams versus we were very mechanical. And that really gave me a perspective in terms of, well, why is this this way? So this is when I was even younger. So I'm, I'm only 25 now, but I would have been – 21 maybe at this time Mm -hmm. and so what I you know as a 21 year old growing up you're in the coaching industry you're thinking I got to get my licenses blah 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 blah. and all I learned through watching this kind of stuff and being in that that high level environment and being able to see all that stuff was that everything we I was learning in my coaching courses probably wasn't as um, effective as I would have thought to Mm -hmm. begin with um, and so before I got to this stage, I did miss on something. I got contacted by the school. I think it would have been my sophomore year. And they said, hey, we know that you like, you're a big soccer person. Um, and we have a partnership with a school in Argentina. And we're going to lose it if we don't send a, send a student there. Mm-hmm. So I instantly told them like, okay, but I can't afford it. So they scholarshiped me. Well, little did I know. I was living maybe a five-minute walk from Newell Soul Boys, which is where Messi was bought from Barcelona. Mm-hmm. So I just went walking around and, like, bothering people. And when I say that, I was begging to be, like, the janitor. And, um, and it didn't happen. They let me. And then I was begging to be a cone picker-upper during practices. And then um, – so they let me. And then I was – as I learned Spanish, I was picking on the coaches and – trying to make friends with them until I got to be uh, an assistant academy coach. And then next thing I knew, I was coaching at Newell's Old Boys in Argentina for a bit, um, which was a wow. whole different perspective as well. Um, it was – so I, I, I've, when I say I stumble upon a lot of opportunities, I literally have. Um, so then Your life I is guess, literally a long string of one thing led to another and suddenly <laughs> – it, it, Yeah, I just keep walking through these doors and praying things happen. Um, but yeah, so I had an opportunity out of college. It was either that you'll love this one. I was in, um, I was on the little NCAA job search at one point and I saw a New York Red Bulls Academy position open up. And it's so funny because like you can go on my Instagram and go all the way down like to when I first started it. And you can see where I posted something that said, um, worst thing that can happen is they know who I am. And it was a screenshot of me applying at the New York Red Bulls. Um, And it was my junior year of college that, no, senior year of college, my buddies and I I had three buddies from France and one from uh, another American. We decided to go on spring break in Cancun, Mexico. And one of the days I woke up and my phone was ringing. So I roll over and it's this weird number and I'm like, okay. And I answer it, and he goes, hi, this is Grant from the New York Red Bulls. How are you doing? And I was like, oh, my God. Hello. Like, it actually, yeah, it actually happened. And so 
I had a choice at that point. It was you have to go full time with the New York Red Bulls in the academy, or um, you could be you could run these tournaments and live in South Florida on the beach with with an academy there. And I so me being me, I hate cold weather. So mm-hmm. while I was really excited for the New York Red Bulls, I also was like, I will hate life because it's cold. Yeah, so, what's the name? I'm worried about the temperature. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. So me being me, I, off I went to Florida. And um, looking back at it, you know, probably could have made a better decision. Um, <laughs> but I ended off going to Florida and running tournaments. So I, it was crazy. My schedule was at 6 a.m. I woke up. I started work at seven for the tournament company. I would stop working at about one for the tournament company in terms of recruiting, trying to get teams to register, things like that. And then at one o'clock, I would finally eat something. And then at my academy, we did these like after school events or during school events. Mm -hmm. And we were like, we could be PE credits. And so what we did was we went and did things at local elementary schools, local middle schools and honestly it was a talent identification thing if we saw players that at a even preschools we even went to the littlest of kids and if we saw players that were very naturally gifted um, mm-hmm. we would give their parents you know an, an academy invite and say hey just come check us out and that was one of our recruitment tools but at the same time it was it was it was soccer at school and it was a low fee they got their PE credit from it. Sometimes we, we even offered to do it free at their recess. Mm-hmm. We just went and played with kids at recess. And anyway, I did that from about one o'clock to four o'clock every day. And at five o'clock, obviously I had two academy teams that we had training every night. So we, um, from five to eight, I had, you know, academy practices. And then from nine to midnight, I had to do my master's degree. Um, <laughs> And then I just, I, Ooh, I know that, that life, so that crazy. is not fun. <laughs> that is not yeah, fun at all. You know, I lived in West Palm beach, like literally, literally a minute. I was maybe three to four minutes away from the beach. And I think I went to the beach six or seven times. <laughs> Man. So it, it, it was bittersweet because everybody's like, Oh, you were in paradise. I was like, yeah, you think so. <laughs> um, but that's one thing led to another. And, um, it ended up that, you know, it was, I had a scary moment where my, my mother had gotten a little sick. And so I didn't feel comfortable being 15 hours away from home. So I moved, I just completely moved home because, you know, I don't think you'll ever regret going home and spending time with family. And, you know, no matter what your career turns into, your family's what matters. Mm-hmm. And um, so I ended up moving home and thankfully she's well. Um, I just went to the local community college and was like, hey, you guys need more women in athletics. It's a Title IX violation. Um, let's start a women's soccer program. Mm-hmm. And the, the director of athletics was like, oh, good catch. Let's do it. Uh, well, he said, let's do it. And he tried to push it through. And long story short, about three months went by and nothing happened. And so I was, I was three months without work. And I'm like, hmm, what do I do? I was actually being a substitute teacher. It was so funny. Um, that's where the Argentine stuff kicked in because the, the Spanish teacher ended up getting sick. I don't know what it was. He was out a whole semester. So I ended up being a Spanish teacher for a semester. Remember um, that one time when you which, said you didn't like kids? Yeah. Um, that's all, all I've been with since. Yeah. 
It's crazy. Um, it, it was honestly, it's, it's been a, it's been a ride. And while I was away, my academy kept running. I had friends that, you know, teammates or anything that from college that they needed money. So I was like, okay, help me keep the academy running. So this whole time I was away, my academy was still running. Um, wow. So when I came back, I just, you know, hit the ground running again. Um, yeah, honestly, when I say it's a bunch of dumb luck, it really is because um, it just so happened. I mentioned earlier that when we won nationals, our coach left and went to California. Um, so when I when my mom got better and I realized, well, you know what, the school's probably not going to start that soccer program. I haven't heard anything. I applied for a school in California that he was at, and um, they were going to give me a volunteer um, assistant position but we're going to subsidize my pay from working at one of the DAs there. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a no-brainer. I accepted the job. And no joke, the next day, the community college called and said, hey, we got approved. You still want the job. So then I was put in a, a, a scenario. Um, but I called the coach and I said, look, he was my mentor. I love him to death. He's probably one of the most difficult people to deal with if you don't know him. But once once you understand him, he, he really knows how to pull your strings and break you apart and put you back together. He, he's very good at it, and he'll tell you. He'll tell you he's the best coach in the country, and honestly, I don't mind not believing it because he's won three national titles. He's the only coach in history to win a national title at the same school in both programs, men and women. Um, so he, But anyway, he'll tell you. He knows he's good. Um, but he, he taught me he taught me about – basically everything I knew and his his simple sentence to me was man uh, you can come here and obviously that's the easy route you'll be at a D1 you're young there's no telling what can come of that he goes or you can try and write your own story and see what happens um, and he said you know no matter what wherever I am you'll have a spot and I said well okay um, so I yeah, I'm one that I like challenges I don't like I've never been given the easy life I, I didn't grow up with much so I was I was like, well, let's see what I can do. Um, you know, there's no story without struggle, so let's let's <laughs> let's jump into some struggle. So I I took the head coach of the the community. Well, I say took the head coach. I created the head coach at the community college's job, <laughs> and then um, and I did that for ten thousand dollars. I only got ten thousand dollars over the course of twelve months, and Yikes. the deal. But yeah, it was it was one of them, and it it was just it was humbling because my deal with the school was if you can prove, mind you, I had three months from when the school started, and I was allowed to start recruiting, to from three months to preseason August one. So I had to put twenty four players on a roster, had to make a schedule, I had to get equipment, and um, and be ready to play within three and a half months yeah that was for no yeah pay. that was fun for yeah for basically no pay um so I did it and we were projected to not win a game and we won our first one five nothing we won our second one one nothing and then we ended up ending the season four and four um but I was okay with that we ended up our last game of the season we beat the uh, number one team in the conference. We're still to this day the only team in the conference to have beat that conference in our whole conference. Wow. Um, and, and not only did season. we do that. Yeah, and we've beaten them three times overall. So we beat them, we 
split with them last year. We split with them this year, and then we beat them in the conference tournament final. Um, wow. And that was this was our first um, this was our first year with a real a real recruiting class. And that's not dissing my sophomores one bit. I love my sophomores. They're we held tryouts and prayed my first season. And when I say we prayed, we ended up with some very good players. I am very thankful for what we got. However, we thought we spent a whole year to bring our first recruiting class in. Um, and in that class, you have two Division One transfers, one national team player, one player played at Man City. Um, so we have a good recruiting class. And having said that, we, I mean, we only lose three starters going into next year. And we're bringing in another player from Real Salt Lake. We got um, one of our Division One transfers is going to be eligible. Um, so it's fun. But, you know, when you look at all of this, a lot of coaches like to question, well, you know, great. It's a great story. But how in the world did that first recruiting class end up that way? Yeah. And that's where, like we spoke off, you know, before the recording is, it is culture-based. Um, I, I really believe that everything we do here is building better people. Um, I, and it, that includes myself. That includes, like, one time this year, we had a bumpy start to our season. We started three and four and then ended – so that was the first seven games. And then in the next eight games, we went six and two. But it all started when one of our players were like, Coach, you've always pushed the culture base. And I'm going to be honest. And this was in front of everybody, my whole team. She goes, I'm going to be honest. I feel like you've been a bit negative lately. And like wow. they called me out. And, but that's what we're about. I'm only a part of the team. We're a that's player a gift, program. Though. That's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, you know, I had to – I had to take that on the chin. I had to take that punch right there because that was the beginning of practice. I still had to go through my practice. I still had to – but it was nice because they feel comfortable telling me things like that. Mm-hmm. And they keep me humble, and I, that allows me – by letting them – they can say whatever they want to me, however they want to, and they know how I'm going to respond. I, only time they know when I'm really pissed is when I don't say a word. And – so they know what they can say, and but they also know that comes at a price. They know I can say what I want to say. Yeah. Um, so it's all it's it's trusting and what you know. And when people will hear this on a podcast, instantly they're gonna think, "Ooh, what are they saying to each other?" I bet that gets heated. Yeah, but everybody's cussing each other not out. That bad. <laughs> yeah, and what you find is that that was one of the worst things that was said to anyone this year was, "Coach, you're being a bit more negative than you thought." Yeah. And we can say whatever we want to to each other. That's just it, – it, it's, it's fascinating to me that, you know, we do an activity in preseason because obviously in junior college you have two – you only have two classes, which means like I graduate 15 for 2020. I'm going to lose all of my freshmen now that graduate in 2020. I'll lose 15 players, which wow. means we've got to bring 15 new ones. And when you have girls, you've got to <laughs> you've got to get to know each other, otherwise things can get catty. Yeah. Um, and one of the the most fascinating things I've learned since I've been a coach. First off, I, I and it's no dissing to any licenses. I don't think your licenses matter. I truly don't. I don't think. I think at some stage, if you're at the highest level, your training sessions are going to be very similar. It's mm-hmm. what you do outside of that that's going to push them the furthest. And the most fascinating thing to me was we have a 
we call it the, it's just a circle with a ball and we just call it the positive, uh, the positive circle. And you, have, you throw the ball, someone catches it and whoever you throw it to, when they catch it, you have to look them in the eye and tell them something great that they're doing, something great that they've improved on. And what I learned was that was hard for these girls to do. Um, we're very easy to look at someone and as our society and say, Hey, you suck at what you're doing, mm-hmm. but we're very, very difficult to, like, think about this. If someone gives you a compliment, you're in our society today, you, Deflect. you, everyone makes a little modest statement, you know, like you look away, you can't just say thank you and be proud of yourself because that makes you cocky in everybody else's yeah. eyes. Yeah. And that for me is pathetic. And so we, it's all about empathy here. Everything we have to understand, we have to be proud. We have to, you have to be able to genuinely look at someone and say something positive and mean it and then be able to take it as, wow, I really appreciate that. You too. You know what I mean? There's a really big difference in communication there. Um, so that's the first thing we do. And then I created a game called, and my captains beg for us to play it all the time, but it's called Who Am I? And we'll come up with 10 categories and no one is allowed to write or tell anyone what they wrote. Um, we all have to use the same color ink so that if someone flips a card over, you don't know that, you know, one person is using an orange uh, pen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that person wrote it, but it, it's, they're very powerful questions. Like one of it might be, um, what is your biggest current struggle in life? And one of the things they turned over was we found out one of the girls had a, her best friend passed away. Um, and she's struggling spiritually, mentally, physically, everything. And at the end of the card, you just write what your struggle is and you put, who am I? And we all have to, you know, as the card is read, we all have to look around and we have like a 30 second span where we get to point on who we think said it. And at the end, after we point, that person stands up. Um, And so you get to kind of learn what their struggles are. And obviously I have to do a spill for the freshmen to come in at the beginning that we want you to be genuine in your responses. You can't hide. You can't right. hide things. What, but if anyone is like me, it's easier for me to write something and express myself on, on paper than it is for me to explain uh, in person, especially in the heat of the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So what I found is by them writing it, they can express themselves a lot more. And you might, we might have questions that are hilarious, so we might have some that the whole record is crying. But at the end of the day, those are extreme emotions, whether it's sad or whether it's happy. Um, you've, that one activity gets you through all of it. And, and those are all things that so, you experience as a team in the run of a season anyway, that ex- extreme happiness, precisely. extreme sadness. So. Exactly. And so that's where we, like, I, I get it. A lot of people look at it as an eye roll with it. I'm a walking cliche in a lot of people's eyes, but it works. It, it's it's something where, you know, if, at the junior college level, players look at you like you're a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not, I'm a non-qualifier. I want to go D1. So I'm going to do me until I go D1. And I know that that's how it looks. So mm-hmm. I have to give something, I have to give them more meaning. I have to give if if just winning and moving on is, is your only, you know, goal, then when things go rough, you're not going to make it. And yeah. so what we, we focus here on, 
I never yell. My girls, they, they'll laugh. They'll, we'll have recruits come in and they'll ask questions like, ooh, is he always like this? Or what, does he get mad and start yelling? They're like, I've never heard him yell in my life. Because I do not yell. I, I, like I said, I get really quiet. That's yeah. when they know things are wrong. Um, <laughs> but other than that, like, it, it's funny. It, we love watching film. We, we put the, the noise on because you get to hear the littlest things. Like, um, you'll see one of our girls will fall over the ball and you'll hear me screaming on the sideline. She just tripped on a ladybug. <laughs> um, little things like that. It's little mental you know, the minute someone misses a shot, I'll yell out, oh, it's Tennessee Wildlife. The gold jumps out of the way. Um, <laughs> they know they messed up. So in that moment, when they put their head down, I've got to distract them. So I want to say something so stupid that they start laughing. And the, you don't hear the crowd going, oh, I can't believe they missed the shot. They're like, what the hell did you just say? You know yeah. what I mean? And right. that's kind of how it, uh, that, that's kind of how I've always ran things since, like, it, it, it's very cultural based. It's, it's really nice to see. And um, like, for example, we had the girl come from Utah on a visit and she wanted to commit before she left, but I wouldn't let her. I mm -hmm. was like, you know, um, it's like when you go to church, you leave church and you're like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm more godly. <laughs> and the next day you're not, you're not the same. You know what Man, I mean? The I next day, <laughs> that church euphoria might've changed. And so yeah. what we what we don't want is them to, oh, yeah, I'm going to commit, I'm going to commit, and then go home and regret it. So I really, I, I made her wait a week, and she still said, no, I'm coming. And so she'll be here next year. Wow. Um, and it had nothing to do with that practice, had nothing to do with, look, we're at junior college. I don't have a campus like uh, University of Alabama. I don't have mm -hmm. a big indoor facility. Um, but I, I've always tried to explain it as, you know, you can go to a big uh, lawyer's office, and they'll have a pen. It's gold plated, but it just writes regular ink. I yeah. what we have here is the pen with ink. Uh, we just don't have the gold plates, and that's yeah. that's what I truly believe, and that's how we, we do it. And I don't convince recruits. It's um, we want to be the program that you want to join, not that I have to convince you. And that's how we if, if a player says, "Well, I have offers here," I say, "Go." And yeah. um, I had a player this year that she said. But to our biggest rivals, she goes, well, they're offering me this. I said, well, go, because I promise you, you'll start there, but you will not here. You're yeah. not there yet. And she ended up coming here anyway. Yeah. So things like that, I, I just think that the X's and O's are like one-fourth of the equation. The culture is the three-fourths of it. I completely agree. And I think it's fascinating because I know you've kept this program now going like this. And it's one thing to say... I want to start with the intention of having culture, but to actually build the culture continuously and have it upkept, even, you know, the girls put in effort, you put in effort. It's not just like you are strong handling them into being good human right. beings. So I'm curious then yeah. how that comes down to selection. Like what are the specific things that you're looking for when it comes to the athletes in the first place? I know the first season you probably didn't even have <laughs> the chance to like breathe because you're just trying to get athletes on your team. But exactly. now that you've had time to sit back, what are the things character characteristically that you look for? Everybody knows, you know, skills, athleticism, strength, um, right. and statistics, but what are the other things that you care about? Uh, most importantly is like, I'm, I'm the same way all the time. Um, 
it can get me in trouble sometimes because I can be speaking to the president of our college and I'm talking to her like I'm talking to you. Uh, I'm just me. And I'm the same way with the recruits. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, everyone has their posh voice in an interview. Oh, hey, how you, you know, that's not, that's not how it works. Um, so I can really suss out when players are trying to, for lack of it, every player that goes on a visit is nearly trying to recruit you, aren't they? They're yeah. trying to show, oh, yes, coach, yeah, I can do that. that it's it, an interview. That's not how it works. Yeah. And so I just say, look, you, you've got to be real with me. You've got to talk with me. And if they can show a sense of vulnerability, a sense of authenticity, it's all about how they are as a person. If, they, if they're fake, they're fake, and I'll tell them. Be like, look, don't, don't, don't be not you with me. Um, first step is how, how real can you be? Uh, if you're a person that has a bad personality, I can reach that, but I, I respect it because you're the same. Does that make sense? Yeah, like it's consistent. You. Right. And um, and sometimes, you know, I see on Twitter and all this all the time where people are dissing people because of their decisions on how they're the recruiting, blah, 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 blah. And for me, it's like I've taken kids that I thought were not great people because I thought that it wasn't they weren't great people. It was they've not been guided to a great – they've not been dealt a great hand, and I think we can stack their deck. Mm-hmm. So that's – in the recruiting piece, I guess I'm always just looking for good people. Um, honestly, if if they get to come visit and they meet some of the girls, we signed them. We we brought a walk on on last year that had offers from every school in our conference. Um, but us, she didn't get any. She hadn't gotten a dime from us, and she chose us. And the only reason I even brought her on as a walk on was because my players told me to. Wow. Yeah. It was really that much of a it, player decision, huh? Yeah, everything we do, everything we do, whether it's I don't I don't require study hall. Um, my athletic director and the other coaches think I'm nuts, but I don't require study hall. For me, you're not going to be – when you get a job in life, they're not going to hold your hand. So no. I don't need to give you that sort of experience now because I can't hold your hand. I need self-sufficient people. Um, and what you find is that our freshman GPAs are lower than our that is, that is the reality of it. But yeah. what you find is that is very consistent. Our sophomores will do a lot better um, because they've been through it. So, for example, um, this year, freshmen come in. Because here's the reality. I put them in study hall. It's, oh, coach has us going to study hall. Now they're going. Soft, now we're in the spring. They're going, yo, we need study hall. So they have mm-hmm. their own study hall. Um, mm-hmm. They have a requirement. If you don't have a 3.0 or higher, you go. If you have a 3.0 or higher, you only go if you want to help. If you want to help, be a tutor, go. But you're not required to. Um, and I just, I don't, I don't know. I, it works. I, the players pick. Like our captains this year have already selected the captains for um, the captains of the freshmen. And so the the freshmen know that they're going to be the captains next year, but right now the current captains are their mentors. Mm-hmm. So I don't choose it. I had no choice. They, I had written down three names in my desk and I put it in an envelope that I thought should be chosen. And thankfully those were the three that the girls picked without me saying a word. Hmm. So, wow. and then that comes with its own difficulties. You get these freshmen that now they're going to be captains. They know it. 
and then they change. Like we had a meeting last week and it was me just saying, hey, do you feel the team is as comfortable with you as they were before? Well, no, we don't. Why? Well, because we're captains now and we're trying to do, they get to implement their changes now. And so they're doing that. But I asked, did you, do you ever think that maybe you change because of the armband? And they started thinking about it and they're like, yeah, I, you know, I think we are acting a bit different. And I said, you got to realize you were chosen to be leaders because you were leading before it matters. Yeah. And There's not, I mean, you have to step up to the plate, but not get an ego. Yeah. And so what they, what they learned was they were just not themselves. And so now they're pinging. It's been a, it's been two weeks since the meeting and they're happier. They're, they're more connected with the team again because everything they used to say was, well, we as captains, we as captains have decided it's, Hey guys, this is, this is what we're going to do. And if anyone has any suggestions, let's do it. So it's not what you say. It's how you say it. It's the perspective that you, you put it in. It's not, please be quiet versus shut up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's two different, same thing. You can say two different ways. So um, that's part of the culture piece though. It's not about who is the captain? Oh my goodness. It's about, I'm, I'm harder on the captains than anyone because you're the ones that are going to control the mood. Um, it's, I don't really know how to explain it. It's one of them things that like, I know I say on social media and everything, like, oh, we're building something special. That's not just a catchphrase. That's we are. And every time a recruit leaves, they say, now I understand. Mm -hmm. It's not something we can explain. It's just something that happens. It's not fake. It's not all the players have to act this way. The players are open to tell recruits anything because if they get here and it's different than what has been put in front of them, that's not authentic and that's not what they accepted. Yeah. And that changes the atmosphere. 100%. Have you had any issues with like having to take disciplinary action severely or does the team kind of handle that themselves? Uh, first year, yes. This year, no. Nice. Not, not one thing this year. Wow. Um, now, that's not saying we're perfect. That's saying nothing bad disciplinary. Yeah. The worst I've had to do is um, we have heart-to-hearts. I don't run them when I get pissed. We get together and have heart-to-hearts uh, mm-hmm. because it's all about what you put in. Um, if I punished you by running you, I'm actually helping you because you're unfit. Um, that's not a punishment. I'm, I'm helping you get better. Um, yeah. So the, the punishment is making you accept that you're making wrong decisions. That's a real punishment. Being able to not being forced to sit in a study hall or a detention or something like that because you did it, but to accept that you did it. And I'm a service-based leader, I like to say. I will do absolutely anything for these girls. But when they don't put in their part, that's when I start getting pissy. And I'm like, look, I can do this, this, and this, and this for you, which I have, yet you're doing this. I'm not attacking you, and I'm not saying I'm putting myself on a pedestal. I'm saying, what do you want? What do you want from me? How can I make this better? Because obviously, you're not putting in your part. And they have to accept that. They can never look at me and go, well, coach, you didn't do this for me. They can't do that. There mm-hmm. is no – and they can't do that for their teammates either. That's, that's sort of – you know, on the field, it's not – if someone didn't track back, it's because they were caught out of position. So it's about, it's about making up that, that piece, being that teammate that's willing to do that work to help fix your teammates' mess up 
Um, our, our motto is always make your teammate look better. That is literally the number one rule. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah. And so if you can do that, think about this. It, it, when you were playing as a kid in elementary school, there were kids that you didn't want to give the ball to because they were ball hogs. Hell yeah. So, so don't be that ball hog. Make your teammate look better. And what you'll find is you, you're just as happy to get an assist or an assist to an assist or a great save or a, a game-saving tackle or something as you are to score the game-winning goal. It all matters. And that's what we want them to know. Because at the end of the day, you play as one unit. Sorry. Like, 100%. Yeah. You can't get your next level D1 offer if your team is garbage. That's yeah. the reality of it. Nobody will look your way. doesn't matter so how good your stats takes, are. Exactly. It takes a village. And that's where, um, that's what we try and drive off of. Yeah. And it's, you know what's cool about it is that you can hear the same type of stuff. And I, this is where I think I have an advantage. I think being 25 years old, dealing with 20, 21 year old girls on this sort of topic, I can connect to their lives. I get the social media. I get, I get what they grew up in because I'm not much older. I've Absolutely. been in the same process uh, versus like nothing against older coaches, but they have no clue what it's yeah. like to be our age right now. No totally. clue. And I think that that helps. Oh, that helps me as well. I mean, it's a huge thing, like just the relatability factor of, hey, we're basically the same age. Like I understand um, the exactly. different kinds of stressors that you're going through and why that causes you stress as opposed to it's just social media or it's just your phone or, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's the perspective. I think is much different and it helps us. Yeah, absolutely. So if if you're talking to the athletes listening to this and they're looking at getting recruited to a school and looking for culture, what would you tell them to look for? Um, look for consistency. Um, it's one thing to talk about it. It's another to be about it. Um, there's too many, there's too many schools and I won't name any, obviously, but there's too many schools that they want to, they want to put on the, the, the facade that they are this culture-driven thing, and then, then you see what's happening on the sideline. You see how the coach speaks. Um, it's like a car salesman. They're all so nice until they give you that bill and they con to you when you owe some. Um, if you're a coach and you're, you're recruiting, everyone's spinning a web, but it's how you are when they're there that, that really matters, and I think that that's really – that's really important is consistency. I think that if you can't be consistent, uh, it starts with the coach because at the end of the day, there's an, there's an authority figure. I always say I'm a part of the team, but I would be denying it if I said that I didn't make the last decision. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got to realize, will you even get along with this coach? Because you're going to spend a lot. There might be a really good player that I want, but if I don't think we're going to get along, I'm not bringing her because we're going to spend a lot of time together. And if I don't like you and you don't like me, it's not going to go well. Yeah, absolutely. So, but I think I think that's the biggest piece. If it, in the recruiting process you don't look at labels, I truly believe that if I was at if this program had the label of a D one and and the buildings that looked like um, you know uh, Belmont University because they have a beautiful campus. If mm -hmm. um, if our buildings looked like that and we were labeled D one, I don't think people would look twice. I don't think they would think twice after a visit. Um, 
And that's what matters to me is that I don't put a label on, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just a JUCO coach. No, I treat it like I'm coaching the University of Florida because yeah. you've got to treat everything like it's your best or you don't deserve what is perceived as the best. Yeah, everything gets treated like it matters. Yeah, and how, how that coach speaks to you as a walk-on recruit or as a full-ride full ride recruit really says a lot about the coach because you can't make the big things happen if the little things don't. So how are you going to have a big program if you don't there, – there is no little players. They all play a part. I think that's so interesting because in the recruiting processes that I know about, it's a long process usually. Um, people, you know, kids generally want to go D1 or D2 and talking to big schools and almost the inconsistency, it's almost exciting. Like they almost expect it. Oh, it's a big school. Oh, it's a big situation. Oh, it's exciting. And don't think about like, that's actually a really bad thing that it's not the same across the board. <laughs> like it doesn't just make it exciting. Right. It's not just tumultuous and dramatic. Like that's actually really bad that the players say something different than the coach. It's not good that the coach isn't kind. It's not good that the coach yells, you know? Right. It's, a, it's like yeah, some schools I, I've seen it recently. And like, you know, like I said, I won't name names, but there was a coach I thought was awesome. When I met him, we went and played. He was awesome. He, Everything he did seemed like a step in the right direction. And then he got a job at a bigger institution and things have changed. He's not that anymore. And that, mm -hmm. that really, that hit me. It, it, it did. It, it made me want to make sure I stay grounded in myself because it's easy for, it's easy for me at a Juco to say, you know, we're culture driven, blah, 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 because the reality while we're winning, um, don't get me wrong. The reality of it is if we were losing, I probably am not going to lose my job mm -hmm. um, versus they might. And so it's, you know, there is an aspect of, I, I hope I never really feel like I'm coaching for a paycheck. I hope that as long as I can keep this mentality and this, you know, under the deepest of pressure, if I can keep my core values, I really think that I can stay grounded, but it worries me for, for coaches that it doesn't. Yeah takes a really tough spinal cord and tough skin. <laughs> yeah, culture and, and self-understanding um, is something you have to work. Yes, yes, that's what I was looking for. That's something you have to work on every day. That's not a – I watch TED Talks and everything every day to yeah. make sure I stay grounded. That is my – people say professional development. That is my professional development. I will watch a TED Talk on any random topic that might interest me because – that's how I keep grounded. Everyone has a story and it's interesting to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. Mine is to never stop learning because the second I stop learning, then I'll get an ego. But if I'm always learning, then I have to stay humble because I know I don't know everything. <laughs> exactly. That's the best way to be. Like, look at Becky Burley. She is for me. She's the bomb. The, like, I want to work for her. I would love yeah. to work for her because she just has something different. I don't know yeah, why. She's special. She's something different. And that she's done it for this long is incredible. Exactly. At the highest level. Oh, yeah. She, like, they played Vanderbilt this past year, so I made the trip, and she stops and speaks to you on her way to the bus. Like, she's just – she's different. And yeah. um, Sarah Loudon, who works with her, like, made a point to tell me. She's like – I asked her, so what is it like? And she's like, it's so cool working with Becky because she cares about everything, mm -hmm. everyone, and everything everything and she will do absolutely everything she can 
And it's just that for me, that's incredible. And that's you, I just wanted to, I've always wanted to be the people, the person I needed when I was younger. And that's really what got me into this. Yeah. And same. Yeah. And she, seeing her kind of keeps me grounded. It's really cool. It's amazing how as coaches, we need those people in our lives. I mean, even though that we, not that we're on Becky's level yet, you're close, but um, even though we're not exactly peers with them, we, we need them in our lives, even from a distance to keep us grounded as yeah, and in the network. Even coaches that you think are the worst. I've learned the most from oh, a yeah. coach I had that I absolutely to this day have no respect for, but he taught me how not to treat people, how yeah. not to approach a session, how not to recruit, how not to, he taught me everything I need to, not everything. He taught me most things I need to know about what not to do. Yeah. Um, and I'm forever thankful for that. I do not like him, but I am forever thankful for that. <laughs> Learned a valuable lesson in the wrong way from the wrong package, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. But it, you know, the world is, the world is your, um, your mentor. You just gotta, it's all about how you look at every situation. That's absolutely true. Where can the people find you online? If people have questions, if people want to come play for you, <laughs> if people just want to um, follow your work, where can they find you online? Um, I'm, I'm all my social media stuff is at like blue at sign coach Colton. So C O L T O N. Um, you can find uh, coaches recruiting. You can find players to be recruited on my YouTube uh, player recruitment or players. You can find my email on Columbia state.edu. Um, but yeah, social media, I'm very active. Um, a lot of coaches think that I spend too much time on it and that I should be working. But in my opinion, social media is working because Generation Z, that's what they're looking at. Yeah. So, um, and, and connecting. I'm all about networking. I think that you can't, it's cool that I'm a Chuco coach now because I realize how much um, groundwork I put in to actually be this is a very cool setting for me. I mean, I ran the biggest youth international tournament in the country, which came with, I have over 8,000 contacts of teams, club coaches in my database. And I have over, I have thousands of college coaches that used to attend our tournament. Yeah. So it's, it, it was a very cool, everything you do leads to another. And so yeah. it goes fun. I love it. You got a little Rolodex going for you. I'd say. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. It's it's challenging though. Like I only love it now because I'm young. Um, yeah. I don't think I can do it when I'm when I'm a lot older because you you have to be constant. I, look, I'm single. I'm young. I can go and do things. Um, so I'm recruiting a lot. My assistant and my coaches probably or, and my players probably think I'm absolutely insane. Like I'm very. I'm always out recruiting. I'm, I mean, I'm leaving Me for Mexico tomorrow, and I don't even have any international spots until 2021. Um, but I want to build that database because, you know, you'll never know what comes up. So You know how to get the game. You have to. Exactly, exactly. And I want to do it while I have the time and energy. And for the record, I think you have the very, very best hair and best beard of all the JUCO coaches. <laughs> Yo, thank you. <laughs> gotta love a very nice uh chiseled down beard yes yes and actually it was an old man at a barber that told me to do it because i i used to say it was too itchy i didn't want to grow it out and he was like he can't when next time i went in he he had all these products here and he goes i want to see it grow out here it won't be itchy anymore <laughs> <laughs> guys who are listening just in case you don't know colton is bald but he's got a great beard so <laughs> yes yes 
I respect a good beard game. All the way. Thank you so, so much for coming on today. I really appreciate your time. I think this is really valuable for players to know from a different perspective what recruiting is like and what people actually look for from a character perspective side and also what they should look for because we talk an awful lot about how to get picked up by D1 and D2 schools and not too much about how do you grow as a person in the meantime because if you get picked up by D1 and D2, you might not be playing. So... Yeah, and you Important. need to be grounded in yourself to be able to 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 really be able to feel that. You you'll never feel the difficulty until you're an all star that's no longer an all star. Yeah. Um, and I think that that that's something people really need to understand. And like, I think that the all stars don't even realize they're all stars, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, but they realize it pretty quickly when their DA player is sitting on the bench. Yes, 100%. And that's, that comes with what are our clubs teaching? Yeah. Um, are they teach like, are they teaching? Yes. Okay. You've, you've produced a wonderful player. Great. There's a billion of them. Yeah. What do they have now? You know, yeah. and that's the difference. Yeah. What happens if that wonderful player gets injured? Are we going to want to keep them on the team? The, the best thing for a, a high school player that is an all-star that knows it is to, and, and I hate to say it like this, but the best thing they can do is get hurt because they yeah. have to learn how to make an impact without their athletic ability. Yeah. 100%. Couldn't agree more. All right, coach. I wish you a safe trip to Mexico and good luck filling those 2021 spots. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I'm pumped. It should be fun. Yeah.